This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. Peter, uh, I guess I can remember some pretty big storms back in the 60s, I guess, but uh, talking to Peter Rogers, who's the Warning Coordination Meteorologist at the National, uh, it's NOAA, now that's what, National Oceanic? Yeah, so uh, partner agency is National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, but we're part of the National Weather Service here locally in Sioux Falls. Have we put up any weather balloons since they had that thing a couple a month or so ago? <laughs> yeah, you know, from a weather balloon perspective, we don't launch those here in Sioux Falls, but they do launch them twice a day in Aberdeen and Rapid City. So that's just part of our normal duties uh, across the National Weather Services to get that information from those uh, weather balloons. They've spotted balloons over the interstate during Sturgis, and I, I figure that's something from the uh, state troopers or something like that, uh, monitoring traffic, I guess, in a sense. But I, I guess, you know, we do have a lot of balloons, uh, hobby balloons, I guess, in that sense too probably coming up here pretty soon well the, the tulips are about ready to come up but we got a little bit of snow and i guess did march really come in like a lion and go out like a lamb i came came in like a lion and it's kind of going out kind of stubborn isn't it yeah i mean definitely this time of year is that transition period where we're going from winter into the warmer months and yeah certainly the end of the month here march has gone out like a bit of a lion for certain areas just doesn't well, winter doesn't want to quite let go here with a lot of the snow that's uh, falling across south dakota and then even severe thunderstorms across portions of Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, and portions down south. So that not uh, uncommon for this time of year to have uh, kind of all hazards. you got snow in some areas and severe storms in another. And so we're creeping our way towards the warmer months in the summer, but we'll have to work through these next couple storms in, in between. Well, the tulips are pretty stubborn, too, uh, with the weather. How long have you been at the Weather Bureau there, Peter? Uh, here in Sioux Falls, I've been here for about four and a half years. But uh, in the agency, I'm coming up on 16. Now, that ice storm, was that uh, during that time, or was that before your time? Yeah, the local ice storm here was before I, I got to the Sioux Falls office. Time goes by so fast, it's hard to tell. Four years, five, six years. I say this every week. We have 7,000 people that move into Sioux Falls every single uh, year. So that's there's twenty thirty thousand people uh, that don't remember that ice storm. But uh, are we kind of in a place where that could happen again? Yeah, I mean certainly that's possible from year to year. I mean right now in the in the near term we're not seeing anything that would be of that significant of an impact. But you're right. I mean we do have a lot of new people moving to the area and maybe from some parts of the country that don't normally deal with ice storms or snowstorms. And so. There's constantly that education piece that we're trying to get out there so that people uh, become more familiar with the local climate and can take protective action when the weather does decide to get a little ugly. Well, I, I suppose it's in the farmer's almanac, but uh, what do you think will be a good time to start digging your garden? <laughs> you know, I'm not a gardener myself, so that's actually a good question. I, you know, and climatologically speaking, I think snow's on the table you know, certainly through the mar- month of uh, April, unfortunately, and, and sometimes even a, a little bit later. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll be watching that to see when temperatures can consistently get above freezing. But, you know, I think as a lot of your listeners know, this, this winter, this spring has been pretty chilly, pretty snowy. And so at least in the near term, it looks like uh, that kind of trend is going to continue for a while here. How long has it been since we've seen 50 degrees? Boy, that's a good question, but I don't think we've hit it quite yet here in the Sioux Falls area for the month of March. Well, the, the March, uh, I think February, uh, in January, even before that, uh, it's, it's been a while. Uh, some yeah. people have been adding it up and, and saying it's uh, longer than, uh, than probably setting a record almost in a sense. But talking to Peter Rogers, the warning coordination uh, meteorologist, a lot of people don't know what a meteorologist is. They, they hear the word meteor, but uh, uh, tell us what that exactly is. 
Right. So uh, even though the word meteor is there, we don't study meteors. Uh, meteorology is the study of, of weather, of atmospheric science. So anything that's in the atmosphere, we're we're looking at uh, here at the National Weather Service. Specifically, we are responsible for issuing uh, forecasts, watches, and warnings. Our forecasts go out to about a week in time, but uh, probably where a lot of people see our information more frequently than others is when they see things like tornado warnings, blizzard warnings, flood warnings. All of that kind of information is coming from our office. Now, National Weather Preparedness Week is coming up. What, what, what's the dates on that? Right. So for South Dakota, National Severe, or excuse me, Severe Weather Awareness Week for the state of South Dakota will be April 17th through the 21st this year. Well, we're going to talk a little bit earlier. Now, I, I guess that uh, if, if we were, well, okay, this is probably one of the, the questions that people would be waiting for. What is the 30-day or, uh, you know, 60-day uh, magic wand look like? Yeah, so like I said, our forecasts go out for about a week, but we do have uh, some more seasonal-type outlooks that are done by the Climate Prediction Center, which is an arm of the National Weather Service. Right now, when we're looking at like the 6- to 10- and 8- to 14-day outlooks in terms of precipitation and temperature, which take us kind of into the early to middle part of April, right now we're looking at uh, continued trends for colder-than-normal temperatures and uh, actually maybe a little bit uh, drier on the precipitation side. Um, so those are things that we're looking at. And then when we go out even further, you know, into the latter half of April, again, maybe temperatures trending colder, uh, and then more of an equal chance on precipitation. The farther out you go in time, the harder it is to be able to predict uh, various temperature and precipitation trends. But at least in the near term, it's looking like those colder than normal conditions are going to stick around with us for a while. I've got a feeling, I guess I'm worried a little bit that the swimming pools won't get warmed up until July at, at, this, <laughs> yeah. at, at this rate. Yeah, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of people taking bets on uh, how long it's going to take for some of these snow piles to fully melt. Well, that's, uh, I guess, if, if you're going to, you know, think about something, that is kind of something that is unusual a little bit. Uh, we've got bigger piles than, uh, than normal, I guess, but it's, it's evaporating pretty fast. Is it really going into the ground or running off, or is it just evaporating? No, that's a great question. And I think one of the things that's unique about this spring is that, uh, you know, the last two years, well, if you go back to like 2018, 2019, those are very wet years. But the past couple of years have been on the drier side. And so uh, the soil has been able to, to soak up a lot of the snow melt that we've had so far. So uh, certainly that's a good thing for the drought that we've been experiencing for a while. And it's also a good thing because we'd rather have that snowmelt run into the soil and soak up as opposed to running off and going into the rivers and possibly creating a flooding-type situation. So right now, yeah, a lot of that moisture has just been soaking in, and so it's been a good thing to help uh, move us out of that drier spell that we've had for the past couple of years. So we probably are not going to have too much of a problem with flooding in the, in the Jim River, Sioux Rivers uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, it's something we're still watching closely, especially like on the James, because the headwaters of the James go up into North Dakota, and they've had even more snow than we have had, believe it or not. Uh, and so all of that water eventually needs to make its way down the system before it empties out into Missouri. So um, I wouldn't say that zero chance, but, uh, you know, maybe not as bad as it, as it certainly could have been given how snowy the winter was. I'm so old, uh, Pete, that uh, I remember uh, filling sandbags downtown when the river, you know, before they had that diversion channel around the city uh, and flooding, uh, I, I guess, you know, is, is not uncommon for, especially the James, the James River. But uh, the... I guess the farmers are probably wondering, okay, when can they when they when can they start putting their plow into the dirt? But the the good thing is we don't have as much mud this year. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not entirely sure what the, where the uh, soil conditions stand right now for agriculture. Um, certainly, they want that mud to be able to dry up a bit so they can get the equipment out there in the fields and not sink into it. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can warm up sooner than later and, and at least dry out those top few inches so that we can start getting in the fields. Well, I you know, the years go by so fast, I can't remember if, if you say you've been here four and a half years. Uh, was Tornado Tuesday during that time? Or was that before you did? No, that was actually before my time as See, that's well. Just, yeah. It goes by so yep. fast, yeah. Yep. I was actually in a U-Haul truck on a gravel road, and I had to pull over and stop because my truck was blowing to the side of the road. Uh, I was I was kind of, uh, luckily, in a kind of a, uh, a depression area where that, uh, that truck uh, probably would have been a problem for me because I was just uh, uh, in between, uh, I think, uh, Crooks and, and uh, down in that area over there. But they had, I think, what was it? Somebody said 70 tornadoes around South Dakota at that time. Yeah, I believe there was a, quite a significant number on that particular day. And, you know, we really haven't had a lot of tornadoes or at least uh, large, impactful tornadoes in our part of the country for, for a while now. You know, one of the things that we did deal with last year were the uh, couple derechos that came through town, which were, were very impactful, did a lot of damage across a wide swath of uh, the southeastern corner of the state here. Yeah, I was I lived by Best Buy, and I uh, was looking out the window, and I said, wait a minute, I can't see Best Buy. <laughs> And the wind was going sideways. And, you know, that's not far from that uh, auto store that uh, the roof blew off and all, and Burger King and, and, uh, you know, the the pizza ranch and all that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, the debris was going one way on one side of the building and the other way on the other side of the building. And I swear that roof popped up and down uh, just for a second. But uh, one of the ladies on the third floor, we were um, we kept putting her shopping news uh, in front of her door, and it would blow across the hall. We put it back, and it'd blow across the hall. And we said, "Gee, your windows must be open or something." Nope, her windows weren't open. There's a lot of strange things that happened. The air conditioners got pushed off their uh, concrete. Uh, uh, slabs and that type of thing, uh, again, over by Best Buy, where, where I, I think I was pretty lucky, to tell you the truth. Right. I, you know, wind can do some very mysterious things that you wouldn't necessarily know about ahead of time. So, yeah, definitely interesting times. How has technology changed? Uh, we hear about, um, you know, AI and, and new radars and that type of thing. Uh, you, how many computers do you have in that uh, place out there at the National Weather Bureau? <laughs> Yeah, well, we do. Our main operations area is a room filled with computers. You are right. Uh, You know, technology continues to plug along, and we continue to get access to more and more powerful computers that can do more and more um, computations to give us a better idea of what the weather is expected to be. So I think probably some of the biggest uh, modernization has been within the computer modeling uh, realm, just in terms of the number of models that are available, uh, how quickly they're able to be run, and then the resolution, you know, how, how fine of detail can they provide. And so uh, those become very valuable pieces of information to us as we're uh, creating forecasts, whether that's, you know, wintertime or summertime or anything else in between. Do you worry about your job with artificial intelligence that a machine might actually start doing the forecast and, and talking to you? You know, I, I think right now there's still very much a role for the human in the forecast process. And I know, and, you know, particularly for my part of the job, I'm responsible for outreach and education uh, for different people. And I, I know that most people that I work with would much rather deal with a, a human being and talking with us and, and learning as opposed to a computer program. And so right now I think uh, there's a lot of room for us to continue to, to do what we do to educate and to help people ultimately make decisions. I mean, a lot of the services we provide are 
for decision makers so that they can minimize the overall impact from hazardous weather and uh, the, the, the human role in that is, is critical. It seems like I saw a notice for people to sign up as to be a spotter not too long ago. Is it too late for people to sign up for that? No, I mean, this is a time of year where we teach uh, severe weather awareness spotter classes, and they are free, open to the public. Uh, the full schedule of the ones that are still left available is on our website, which is weather.gov slash Sioux Falls. Uh, we will be teaching a class here in the, the Sioux Falls area. That is still coming up, and I believe, if I'm looking at my calendar correctly, that that will be on um, Tuesday, April 25th at 7 o'clock there at the Pavilion downtown. So we'll be down there teaching a course uh, for anybody who is interested in severe weather or becoming a severe weather spotter on behalf of the National Weather Service. And, and we do those every year. Uh, a couple couple years there we had to uh, do it virtually because of the pandemic, but we're back out in person and uh, v- visiting with the public and the communities that we serve. Nothing better than uh, direct person in sight. Uh, do they get special radios and that type of thing if they go out to a certain location to help spot? Yeah, so we do have no weather radios. Uh, those are available for people to purchase. It's a great way. It's a great way to have backup for warning notification purposes. We don't provide them at those classes, but we do talk about them and the importance of having one available to you. Um, and so they're a special frequency that you can tune into 24-7, 365 for weather information. But where they really become uh, helpful is when we're issuing warnings because you can set them up to automatically alert. And that's really important, especially if it's at nighttime and if you're sleeping, you want to be woken up so you can get hit the basement as quickly as possible. My phone does that now. Is the phone replacing a lot of that stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so there are there are some alerts that are sent to cell phones. Uh, it, it depends on your phone. It depends on your provider. It depends on if you have them actually turned on. But it's something called a wireless emergency alert. And so if all of those conditions are met, then you can get an alert. It's like a, it, it, it looks like a text message, but it's not a text message. Uh, but it will come through on your phone for tornado warnings, for high-end severe thunderstorm warnings and also high-end flash flood warnings. So that's just another way for us to get information out uh, to as many people as possible because uh, those are situations where we really want people to, to heed the warning and take uh, shelter immediately. I think Alexa is, is uh, and, and some of the other things uh, similar to that uh, also will it'll wake, you know, it'll start talking at 3 o'clock in the morning. I, I, my Alexa has the voice of Samuel Jackson, so it gets kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, they, they'll actually start talking at 3 o'clock in the morning saying that the storm's coming and that type of stuff. Now, most of the spotters, though, the ones that you kind of put in, in uh, harm's way are, are usually the troopers and the highway patrol and that type of thing, aren't they? Yeah, you know, we do work very closely with law enforcement, fire, emergency management. Uh, One of the big things that we do stress, though, with all of our training in terms of spotting is safety. Uh, No report is worth injury or death, and so safety is the number one priority. And if at any time any of those individuals that we work with feel unsafe, they should seek shelter immediately, and we can get the reports at a different time or from somebody else. Well, something that we didn't have to, you know, think about, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago is there's a lot of amateur, um, well, they want to come and video with tornadoes, you know, that, the, the, the tornado chasers, I guess they call it. Uh, are we seeing a lot of that in this area? You know, it depends on the particular setup. You know, recently, I don't think we've had real strong uh, major tornado outbreaks that would Uh, bring a lot of storm chasers into the particular area. But yes, there are a lot of people out there that 
will try to get rather close to these tornadoes or severe thunderstorms for various reasons. Uh, some of those are legitimate research operations to try to learn and understand the storms better for better warnings. And then there are individuals that uh, do it more from a, a thrill-seeking perspective and everybody else in between. So um, again, we don't talk about chasing per se as part of our classes. We're emphasizing safety and spotting uh, for public safety and the protection of life and property. But those folks are still definitely out there and uh, getting close to those storms. Talking to Peter Rogers, the morning coordinator meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls. It's not quite like the movies, is it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, there's probably all a bit of nugget of truth in, in some of those, but then there's also a fabrication as well. So I haven't seen any cows flying by. <laughs> no, I have not seen a flying cow either myself. But there are some interesting types. I, I think there is in the Sioux Falls Museum, uh, there's, I, I, I've heard, you know, my mom told me about, you know, h- hearing about straw going through a two-by-four and, and, and uh, those kind of things. Uh, what, what kind of strange things have you heard about tornadoes? Sure. So, you know, anytime you're dealing with wind speeds well in excess of, you know, 100, 150, even 200 miles per hour, you can see some very strange things. We talked about that earlier about how wind can be very mysterious. And yeah, uh, you can get projectiles thrown through or impaled through different things that you normally would never expect. And so um, that's why it's so critical for people to take these warnings seriously in the seek shelter when those warnings are issued. When I was in Guam in, a, in the Navy, when they had hurricane warnings, uh, everybody would have to go out and pick up all their lawn chairs and anything that was, you know, could blow around. But a hurricane, you can kind of tell, you know, it, when it's coming. But a thunderstorm can pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You can go from blue skies and nothing to a severe thunderstorm within 30 minutes if the conditions are right. Uh, and, and, yeah, that can oftentimes be the difference between safety and, and harm. Um, and so again, when people get that warning, I know human nature is such that we like to visualize the threat for ourselves and get out there and take a look or take a picture, but really encourage folks that when those warnings come out before they go, or instead of going out to look to, to get to your safe place right away, because you may not have that much time before it hits. And we want to make sure that people are safe. When is the tornado season? It hasn't really started here yet, has it? Yeah. Uh, on average, our tornado season peaks in the months of May and June here locally in South Dakota. Uh, so that's not to mean we can't get them you know, earlier or later like we saw in 2019 when we had the three in town in September. But um, on average, that's when we normally see the most number in this part of the country. Have we seen more than average or are we at or below average uh, in this last couple of years? Yeah, in in recent years, it's been at or below average. Um, we've actually had more of these larger scale windstorms like again from last year the, the couple derechos that came through town more so than the tornadoes okay you go out and you talk about weather preparedness when you're in a school what do they do when they get a warning yeah you know it depends from school to school but oftentimes they will have their own severe weather plan in terms of where they want the kids to go and again we're, we're talking about trying to make sure that certainly at a minimum they're inside but away from windows um, if the school has some kind of an underground shelter, that would be the best place. But if not, uh, interior small rooms like bathrooms or closets away from windows, uh, having a way to protect your head. You know, God forbid if the structure actually did start to come apart, you want a way to try to protect your head from flying debris. Um, and so, yeah, we do work closely with schools throughout the year to ensure that the kids are safe, whether it's, you know, blizzard in the wintertime or, or tornadoes in the spring or summer. 
it seems to me the seasons, you know, in, in, in kind of my opinion or feeling, the seasons have kind of shifted. It's kind of like we have a later fall, we have a later winter, we have a later spring, we have a, a later summer. Does it seem like that to you? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't have any strong numbers to, to back that up, but I do know that that feeling has been out there for a lot of folks, that uh, everything seems to be delayed a little bit. Uh, you know, I think those are questions that uh, people that do that kind of research on a regular basis would be looking at to see if that's, you know, just a temporary blip or something that's more of a long-term change. And it also seems to me that a lot of, uh, you know, the, the severe weather in the winter and the summer that we, we used to see has kind of shifted down south down. Yeah, there there have been some studies and some some people looking at that to see if your your what you would consider your typical tornado tornado alley has shifted maybe a bit more to the south and east and especially towards some of the Gulf states. I know even within the past week here we've had some pretty impactful tornadoes across Mississippi that unfortunately have resulted in some some very significant uh, destruction and, and loss of life. Um, don't know if there's a, a, a firm conclusion on that yet, but it is something that I know folks are looking into. Well, there's a lot of things that your, your grandparents would probably say that uh, they've changed their mind on is that uh, you don't open the windows, you don't go to a certain corner of the, of the basement, uh, uh, you don't park underneath a highway overpass, uh, those kind of things? That's right, yeah. I mean, again, if you have some kind of an underground shelter, whether it's a basement or some kind of a specific emergency shelter, that is the number one best place to be. Um, for not only tornadoes, but again, some of these higher end wind events that we've had like last year, we want you to take the same action as you would if it was a tornado. Uh, but if you can't get underground, still a, a firm, firm structure with a good foundation uh, interior room away from windows. Yeah, you don't want to be by the refrigerator if that tips over. A bathtub is something a lot of people say. That yeah, uh, so sometimes you know, again, the small rooms, the bathrooms, and the closets. Some people can jump into the bathtub, uh, try to put some kind of a blanket or pillow over the top of them to add an extra layer of protection. Well, if you're out near Kimball in the middle of nowhere, at least you can see the tornado coming. But uh, do you try to outrun it, or what do you do? If you were in a vehicle, yes. Yeah, so that I mean, we get that question a lot. I kind of kind of depends on your situation. If you are out, say, for example, in the Kimball area, and you see a tornado off in the distance, and you know exactly where you are in relation to the tornado, and that the tornado is moving in one direction versus you know your direction, maybe you can just do a simple U-turn and, and go in the opposite way, and, and there's not a problem. Um, the last thing we want to have people do is inadvertently get closer to them. Uh, that's not something we want them to do. But the number one thing to do for uh, safety for tornadoes in a vehicle is, again, if you are near any nearby shelter, any nearby building, that's the best place to go. Cars are just not safe places to be with tornadoes. Um, a last resort situation would be, you know, if you, if you found one right outside your window and you could not get to a building, you really only have two options. One would be to abandon your vehicle and get down to a low spot like a ditch or to remain with the vehicle. Uh, buckle up and, and hope for the best. I, I know I've talked with my counterpart down in Oklahoma who does uh, similar things to what I'm doing in the South Dakota area. And he's had people that have done each of those things. And some people have survived and some people have unfortunately perished. And so that's really not a good option. I, I, I would never personally want to find myself having to make that decision. And I hope most other people would feel the same way. So the best thing to do is to either not be on the road during those situations. And, and in order to know that, you've got to be paying attention to the weather and what the forecast is ahead of time. Um, and then seeking shelter in a building if, if necessary. 
Well, the old Powder House Road story, uh, they had uh, some bank robbers and, and uh, their hostages. One was They were tied up in a, in a, a house of dynamite out by the quarry. And the uh, uh, guy that was really kind of shot and, and uh, not too good, he, he was able to get loose and crawl out of that uh, house of dynamite and get in a ditch. And when that thing blew up, it knocked uh, windows out, uh, shook, you know, downtown Sioux Falls, the windows, you know, all over for miles and miles away. But he survived because he got in a ditch when that uh, powder house of dynamite blew up. And I guess that's the same thing is uh, a ditch can be uh, a culvert. What about a culvert? Is that too contained? Well, you know, you have to, you have, again, you have to be very aware of what's going on around you because if you do decide to get into a low spot like a ditch or a culvert, the other thing you have to be thinking about is, is water. I mean, if there's a lot of rain falling at the same time, that's where all that water is going to go. And instead of dealing with the tornado, you may also be dealing with a water or a potential drowning issue. So, yeah, you just, in those in those seconds that count, you have to be very aware of what's going on and the best place you need to be at that time. And, and again, by and large, that's in a sturdy structure when, whenever possible. Well, if I go to California, I'm going to be worried about earthquakes. Uh, but people, there's a lot of people coming from California right now to Sioux Falls, and, and uh, I, I've had some uh, relatives or visitors, you know, sleep on the couch because they're so afraid of tornadoes. What can you say to them? Yes, I mean, this is the, the whole reason we do these severe weather awareness weeks. The, the reason why we're going out and doing these spotter classes is to, to prepare the general public and to, pre- to prepare the people we work with on a daily basis. This is the time of year where we want you to work with your families, with your workplaces, with your schools, to identify ahead of time the shelters that you are going to be needing to go to so that when severe weather strikes, you know where to go, how long it takes to get there, and how long to stay there. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing people can be doing right now is, especially if they're new to the area and they're not familiar with tornadoes is whether it's your home, business, workplace, school, identify where you would go during a tornado. And then the other thing that we've talked about too, is, is having multiple ways of receiving that warning information, knowing where to go is one thing, but knowing when to go is another. And so you're really going to be relying on that warning information from the national weather service. So if that means an app on your phone or the wireless emergency alerts, again, that's great, but uh, have that backup system ready to go. So that could be the weather radio, could be local broadcast media, uh, could be uh, different Internet sources. So there's a lot of different ways that that warning information is getting out to people nowadays. Well, I know the sirens are a city thing, but uh, do you actually notify the city if they need to sound the sirens, or how does that work? Right. So, I mean, every jurisdiction, whether it's at the city or the county level, has the ability to sound the sirens when they want to. Um, and so oftentimes they will make that decision based on our warning information. So if it's a tornado warning, most jurisdictions will then, yes, decide to, to sound their sirens if those are available. Um, and sirens are an important part of the warning process, but again, going back to the idea of having multiple ways, just we don't want to rely solely on sirens. Sirens can fail just like anything else. Um, and also people, especially who may not be familiar with sirens or coming from other parts of the country that don't have to deal with tornadoes, those sirens are never meant to be heard indoors. It's an outdoor warning system. And so uh, if you can't hear them inside, well, they're not, they're not meant to be. Normally, if you're outdoors and you can hear them, it says, okay, something's happening. I need to seek shelter immediately in a building and then look for additional information as to what to do at that point. Peter Rogers, warning coordinator, meteorologist, uh, National Weather Bureau in Sioux Falls. Um, what, what's the, a couple minutes left, what's the most important thing that we can leave with people right now? I, I guess in your gut feeling, do you think we're going to have more concern this year? 
Yeah, you know, it, it's really hard to give an outlook on severe weather potential. Um, you know, just for this part of the country, basically any time between now and, uh, say, September is a prime time for severe weather to occur. And so we just want to, you know, especially now that it's been a colder spring and things are maybe a bit delayed if they haven't done so yet, now's the time to prepare. Now's the time to uh, determine where that shelter is, how you're going to get the warning information. You know, one thing I'd like to say, too, is that, you know, we do talk a lot about tornadoes, and rightly so, because they are destructive and they do kill. Um, but at least recently, uh, that not, has not been as much of an issue here locally, but we have had these really strong windstorms. And so my my point to a lot of people is to take some of these higher-end windstorms like the derechos we had last year and treat it the same way as you would a, a tornado warning. So we still want you to seek shelter underground in those situations because whether the wind is moving in a straight line or whether it's spinning with a tornado, they can still destroy things. And we need to make sure that people understand that and can take the appropriate action to protect themselves and their loved ones. If the sky turns kind of a green pea soup color, is that a sign? Yeah, you know, on one of those derechos at July 5th last year, we did have that, that really weird slime green type color in the sky, and a lot of people thought that was maybe Photoshop. No, but no, it was real. Um, a lot of that just has to do with how the light, the sunlight, is reflecting through the different clouds at that time. Um, certainly an ugly sky is, is definitely something to be watching for because you're going to want to take uh, shelter, whether that means it could be a precursor to uh, severe weather or not. Um, Hopefully, if people see the sky turn a color that it's not supposed to be, they would take that seriously and get inside. All right. We've talked a lot, and I'm sure there's more, but Peter Rogers, Morning uh, Coordination Meteorologist at the National Weather Bureau. They can contact you to come out and talk to your their service organization or whichever. I want to thank you very much for being with us on Forum. Thank you for having me.